Swing and a miss on a high fastball. The big 6-6 lefty brings the 0-2. Swing and a miss. There's a breaking ball. He has swung it well throughout the year. The 0-2 down and in. Camargo went around on a pitch down to the dirt. And at his feet, strike three. Swinging on the appeal to first. And Lodolo strikes out the side in inning number one. All right. Welcome back to the 90th percentile. Of course, it's your host, Jeff Ponce. Back again this week with another very special guest. I'm really excited for this one. It's our first player that we're going to have on the show. Big one. Uh, top 100 prospect. Former number seven overall pick in the draft. Um, no further ado, Nick Lodolo, Cincinnati Reds pitching prospect. Welcome to the show, Nick. How are you, man? Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on here. Excited. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know you're out in Arizona. You've already, you know, I think you already had like a month or so of work. So talk to me a little bit about what you're doing out there, you know, how things have been. I'm sure you're preparing for a big season upcoming. Yeah, I've uh, been out here for probably a little over a month now. Um, just now we've uh, we've progressed into what is, this is early camp. Um, was out here for the beginning just to get another what do you call that? Early, early camp. <laughs> um, just to get out here, uh, get everything moving again. Um, after the way last year ended, uh, make sure we're headed in the right direction and everything feels great. Um, so excited to get rolling as we, uh, kick off essentially minor league camp starting right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you probably have some games coming up next month. Uh, so probably get some, you know, head to head competition with some hitters, which is probably great stuff. But what sort of things, we'll jump right into it. What sort of things are you working on for 2022? Um, trying to take that step forward from obviously the progression you had in 21. I would say, you know, regardless of how it ended, it was a successful campaign. You made it to the highest levels of the minors. You had a lot of success against high-level competition. What's sort of the next progression? What are the things that you've been working on in the offseason to, to take that next step? Uh, really just continuing to refine everything. Um like you said, I was was pleased with how the results I got last year when I when I did throw. Um, obviously, wish we could have finished the whole year through, but I would say there's nothing I I'm specifically working on right now. Going through it, um, this off season I'd say was a little bit different compared to most because usually there's something that I'd hone in on to really work on, and this year it was just building back up and making sure that I'm healthy, um, in which. I am, and I feel great. I, honestly, I feel like as if I was heading into any other camp in years before. Um, so I think it's right now just getting everything back, uh, flowing down the mountain, continuing to refine everything, and just you know continue to what makes me me um, on the mountain and get that back, that feel. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I want to jump in a little bit now, talk a little bit more about some of those off seasons, um, you obviously had an unusual experience in 2020, like a lot of prospects did. Um, but I want to go back a little bit even further. I know you're somebody that embraces technology. Uh, this is a big focus on this podcast is how the tech applies to development and just the different things that, you know, coaches and trainers and players like yourself are doing to take it to the next level. Going back to 2018, um, and even probably before that, I know you were introduced to technology and started working with Edtronic in particular around 2018 uh, or probably even prior. So talk to me a little bit about your initial experience with tech. Maybe it was even prior to that high school, you know, maybe even earlier. Yeah, I'd say, uh, honestly, I didn't, I'd say I got introduced to it 
the first time I was probably at uh, TCU, my, like you say, it was either my freshman year or 2018, somewhere in there um, with Rap Soto. And I really didn't know that much about it. Honestly, we just kind of roll it out and throw on it. And Kirk would sit there and kind of look at it a little bit. And I mean, that's when everybody was still learning kind of what the numbers meant and all that. Um, but I'd say I really kind of got interested in it and really where it helped my development a lot was in what year was that? It'd be 2019, my draft year. Um, still hadn't used it that much, dove that deep into it until uh, my first start actually of the year where it was against Cal State Fullerton, uh, my junior year and decent start. I think it was like five innings, two runs, but I was, I was getting to two strikes. And I couldn't put anybody away. And I thought I was throwing good breaking balls and hitter obviously was telling me otherwise they were just laying them off. And I was like, oh, geez, like, what are we doing here? And that's what Kirk came to me and was like, Hey, like we got to make an adjustment because obviously there's something that they're seeing um, that we're not. <laughs> and um, obviously you're like, Oh, great. Week one, we had a whole fall to work on something and it was working then. And also you get to week one and it was like, Oh, geez, well, we, we got to figure this out. <laughs> so uh, literally in a midweek bullpen, he breaks out the edgetronic camera. It was the first time we had used it. And we seen like the hand position on my breaking ball. And I was getting like really under it. You could see it was, it was just had that initial tiny, probably about like maybe an inch, just little hump in it. And I was like, okay, well, it was still kind of firm. It was always at least like 78, 80. And so we kind of changed it to like, try to get like more of like a slider. Um, but from my arm slot, it obviously it's going to get more sweep. Uh, sure. So it'll play better. More like a curveball. Um, so he goes midweek bullpen. I throw it about 10 times and kind of figure it out because I'm very visual. I got to be able to see it. So like if someone, if we would have tried to do this, like on the wrap Soto and stuff like that, I mean, sure. you really wouldn't have picked anything up because I needed to see it. Like what my hand was supposed to look like. Um, picked it up and rolled out that new breaking ball the next week. And uh, I, I remember that against Grand Canyon, uh, like punched out, like I think it was double digits. And I was like, wow. Like, and I was getting swings and misses left and right. We're like, that's it. It was firmer. It was coming out more on like the same plane. So it, ever since then it kind of took off. And so Edgetronic became like my best friend <laughs> after that for that year. And I can I can actually remember having, you know, covered the draft at the, at that time I was still at Prospects Live. I just started the site. And we had a guy who's now with the Minnesota Twins, uh, Jason Panini, who worked the complexes. And I think he was actually at that GCU start. And I can remember getting the text messages like the Dolo's got an absolute like wicked breaking ball. So I think there was pro that that was probably a jumping off point for you to some degree where you did it in front of a big crowd. It was in a good spot like Arizona where there's obviously, you know, um, a fair concentration of you know scouts and that sort of thing. So that was sort of a jumping off point for you from there. Did you, did you further sort of embrace technology and try to, I guess, learn a little bit more about the terms and the different concepts or was it something where you were like, Hey, I'm refining this one thing. I'm learning this one thing. And then you sort of, you know, took the next off season to learn. So I'm kind of interested, like what was the progression? Yeah, it was more yeah, just refining that. Um, and like I said, like it, it just naturally started to just come to life that pitch as a whole. Um, that That's all we were, really worked on at that point. 
um, because that's what we felt like I needed. So, like I said, it, my other one before that was still, it wasn't like slow. It was still like 78, 80. And then all of a sudden that next week I came out throwing that and it was more of probably at that time, it still was probably like more like a true slider. So it came out and I think I was throwing it up to like 87 and we we're like, geez, like <laughs> what a, this is something I've never had. Um, and then as the season went on, it kind of, I kind of got the feel back to throw it like a curveball, but still hard. Um, but yeah, it was something that that's really all I worked on that year. And then as we kept going and, and things played out, obviously get drafted, go to the minors. Um, when we really, when I started to hone in with technology and stuff was COVID year, Mm. um, go to, what was it? That's what year was that? 20? That was 20 because 19 you're drafted. I think you then you go to Billings and then you're, you're in Dayton, Dayton for I think like two starts. And then, yeah. So then I go to spring training. Um, obviously that gets cut short. I did, I got an inning at least in a game had been in uh big league camp the whole time. So kind of seeing what guys are doing. Yeah. um, Cool experience. First time. And, uh, I real I'm like okay like we've got that working well now we we need to dial in it on a change up we got to work on that and so that was something that I crushed just trying to get better at um, between COVID year and at the alternate site because that's something that obviously now and as I keep going forward that's something that's really going to help me and and at the next level you you got to have that especially as a starter so um that's when I started using Rapsodo again. Um, yeah. And Edgetronic. Uh, but it's kind of weird. I, I feel like I don't use Rapsodo, um, honestly, for other anything really other than my changeup. And huh. the only thing I'm I'm worried about on it is is the spin direction. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Like everyone usually worried about like the spin, like the movement. I'm not really that worried about it. Um, so it's more it's more about how like seeing how it's because you said you were visual, so it's probably how is the changeup coming out of my hand? Yeah. Is it a matter of turning it over? I know by having looked at your numbers, you have something that I, t- I typically look for. And now changeups metrically, right? It's, it's some, of, some of it is certainly nonsense, but like it's how you throw it, how you execute, how you sell it with your arm speed. But you have close to a negative or sort of like a, a zero IVB, a lower IVB changeup. Um, is that by design? Is that something that you've learned specifically to try to kill lift the way that you do, especially playing off of sort of, you know, the way your fastball comes out and then has a heavy amount of run as opposed to ride. And then that really sweepy breaking ball. Is it just trying to make sure that, Hey, I have something that then moves vertically or dives a little bit. I mean, what's conceptually, what are you trying to, to make the ball do? Yeah. Uh, that's fine. Like, so I don't think about killing lift at all, to be honest. Um, that's something I think that just from my arm slot that I'm just naturally probably able to do. Like you said, it kind of plays off the heater. That's all I'm trying to get is it to play off that same plane. Um, I, it's kind of a firm changeup, honestly. <laughs> I think that the difference isn't that big. I think it's maybe like six, seven miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said, I get a, a good amount of like tumble at the end um, and late dive. And that's, that's more what I'm worried about. But the spin direction, like I feel like if I get into that nine, um, like middle nine, like nine thirty, somewhere in there. It's usually pretty solid of what what I'm looking for uh, in terms of that same like type of plane and stuff. So, sure. Like, so I think if I get it there, I think it just naturally kills, like you said, like the lift and things like that that I just don't, I don't necessarily think about. 
Um, but that all things that probably all go into it and making it look like how I want to. And I'm, I'm interested to talk a little bit more about your arsenal. We'll dive into that in a minute, but I guess I'll, I'll sort of, you know, jump ahead here a little bit, but you're a heavy sinker guy, right? You know, you're not, you're not throwing a four seamer. You're throwing like a sinker, a two seam fastball, correct? Uh, yeah, I, I throw both. Um, okay. if I'm going, if I throw arm side, uh, it's usually a two seam, um, and then when I go glove side, especially like into righties, I'll just I'll, yep. I'll usually throw a, a four in four. there. Interesting. They they act pretty similar, um, mm-hmm. I think. Um, obviously, you probably get a little bit more lift with a four, but I think from my from my arm slot, um, I think the horizontal on it, I think it's pretty much about the same. So they, yeah. they play about the same. Yeah, it's heavy horizontal. Well, I yeah. wondered because a lot of guys that I've spoken with that were were four seam guys and kind of refined their changeup. A lot of the times, guys are telling them, "Hey, throw it like a two a two seam fastball." So I was sort of interested as you approach your changeup and you've refined it more. You're already somebody who throws a two seam fastball, right? Are you still trying to do that? Is there any sort of differences in the grip or release or just anything about how you throw your changeup versus your sinker? Uh, I wouldn't really say no. Not that big, honestly. Now that I think about it, it's um, it's two seam changeup. Um, when I, on it, no, that, that's a good question. I, I wouldn't say there's anything like different from it. Cool. Let's, uh, let's jump into, to your arsenal a little bit and you have a really interesting one. I think that's different from a lot of what's become like in Vogue where you're seeing, you know, high four seam fastballs and certain types of, you know, more slurry sliders or whatever, a little more, you know, tight gyro type of a slider. You're throwing a two seamer, you're throwing it from that arm slot, which is really unusual. Uh, and it's funny because the way it comes out of the hand, it almost looks like it sweeps, but you're getting a tremendous amount of run. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you're pairing that with a really sweeping breaking ball that I know that you call a curveball. It's not that different from Matt Brash's Seattle's curveball or what he calls a slider, but it's one of those sort of high efficiency sweepers, gets a ton of horizontal movement, and then you have the changeup. And I believe you started throwing a cutter as well yes. and, as you added pitches over the last couple of years. So talk me a little bit through your arsenal, how you attack hitters with it, who you're throwing it to, and really what you're trying to make it do when it's leaving your hand. Uh, so obviously, yeah, like I said earlier, I, I'll go fastball, arm side, uh, two seam, four seam, glove side. Um, but really just the point of that is, I like I said, that, that little baby, little extra tick of run that I do get on the two, I, I don't throw arm side, just – I feel like I can stuff it in better on righties, like kind of ride it in there. Not that my ball really rides, but it feels like that. It's kind of uh, more of just like a, like a mental thing that I'm picturing through there. Um, and then you said big sweeper. Um, I think that's something for me that over the last couple of years I've gotten better at is being able to just throw that for a strike to get ahead to show that I can throw it. Um, and obviously that you continue to work on and stuff. And I think that's a reason for my success is I've been able to, throw that in really at any time. So it's not just like a swing and miss pitch. Um, and so like you said, how I'm trying to throw that, I mean, it's kind of weird. Like I, I actually wish sometimes it didn't sweep so much. <laughs> uh, so it's a little easier to control. Um, but I, I kind of got little cues that I know, like when I'm, if I'm pulling across and stuff that making it more sweepy. So um, maybe at least in a couple, couple of years ago, I'd be, I'd roll out there and be like, what do we got today? And it'd be like, I don't know how to fix it. Uh, <laughs> we got that figured out now. So 
that's obviously a plus. <laughs> um, Changeup is really just to play off my fastball to keep guys out from like diving over the plate and stuff and just something that's different off of that two-seam look. Uh, that I think that plays really, really well. Um, something that I probably – you'll probably see a lot more this year of um, as I get keep moving up. Um, but and I, like you said, I added the cutter. Um, last year was the first year I'd thrown it. Um, I really liked it. It was some to basically show like, Hey, I got something that will move into you as a righty, uh, besides like a sweeper. Um, so not everything's moving away from you. And, and the whole cue for me on there is literally to just absolutely stuff that thing in mm-hmm. on righties, like hands, like at the belt, um, just to show like, Hey, I got this too. So don't, don't keep thinking if I'm going to go away or something like that, keep cheating out there. This it'll come into you and get you. So that's the whole purpose of why we added that. So guys just couldn't set their eyes out there over the plate. And like grip wise, cause you know, like you said, you, you had, you know, what you call a curve or your sweeper uh, at points. It was a little bit more of a slider as you made some adjustments back at TCU and you're working on the rep Soto. What's what's the the big grip difference for you in terms of how you throw the cutter versus a slider versus the sweeper? Like in terms of you know obviously you're trying to cut the ball, but I'm interested just from your arm slot, like how you make that work. So um, it's actually it's funny you say that. So in college, I I threw a breaky ball with like no seams. I didn't have any fingers on the seams. I would just go straight pad of the ball, and so that then I switched it to more of like, so what I ended up started throwing was like a cutter basically. Um, but then, like I said, as I would just start to turn over a little more to make it more like a curveball in college. Um, but still like no seams, it was almost like I'm running it like a four seam. Um, and then I, as I started going along COVID year and everything at all alternate side, I realized big league ball, you can't do that. <laughs> Weight balls way more slick and everything. So I had to start throwing a more traditional curveball. Obviously, like you should <laughs> on the seam. Um, so now I, I do. I throw a traditional like curveball grip, um, and then that cutter I kind of morphed into how I learned that uh, like sliderish uh, one that we were talking about earlier at TCU. So I kind of throw that um, grip more as like the cutter. I would say. But obviously, I'm thinking fastball the whole time versus like slider curveball. Um, so I'd say that's the biggest difference in that. And it's kind of it's funny you say that because now it really I hadn't thought about that until right now. I was like, you know what? I kind of just took that grip and just made it a cutter. <laughs> no, that that's that's kind of cool. I mean, it's those sort of things where like there's the progression of like stuff that you have feel for, right? I mean, I think this is like any part of life, right? You kind of you kind of build on things you already have like foundational knowledge or skill or feel for. So sort of taking that to the next level. I'm interested to kind of talk a little bit about some of the other folks that you've worked with. You know, you talked about working with Kirk at TCU. I know you also have, you know, a really uh, supportive uh, agency behind you, an elite, and, you know, David O'Hagan, but also Eric Jagers, who I think is one of the, you know, really the entire Cincinnati sort of pitching staff development crew, all their pitching coaches, they're really loaded to the gills with some of the most brilliant minds and, and, in development and pitching development in particular. So you've had exposure to a lot, a lot of these sort of guys that have a more progressive look on outlook on the game and how they apply it. What are some of the things that you've picked up from Kirk and, and, and Eric and, and et cetera? 
Yeah, so there's a, there's actually another guy too you didn't mention. Um, you probably have no idea I even worked with. Uh, I don't know if you, Dave Coggin. You know that? Um, yeah. Yeah. In uh, Southern California, PFA. That's kind of I'd say Dave is really the one um, that essentially got me to basically to get to Kirk in, in that sense into college and stuff. Yeah. Um, really, more of like a I'd say when I work with Dave, it's more of like a foundation. Uh, point versus like, like pitch wise. And so I say that because when I think when I work with Jags and stuff, that's what we call uh, uh, Jaggers, we call them yeah. Jags. Um, it's more, I think it's more of like, not necessarily like pitch design stuff, but also like how stuff is like coming off your hands. Uh, stuff along that lines, that makes sense. Yep. Um, so like, I, I think I've been very fortunate to work with people that are really good and really smart within the game. Um, and it's kind of funny is because that they all have their own little area of, that they specialize in that I think at least when they're working with me, that helps me. Um, I'd say Kirk's more of a blend of those two. Kirk really understands the way I move and the way, like what ticks on me. I think just because, I mean, we did spend every day together for three years, but. Um, They'll do it. Yeah. I'm trying to think what, what else were we we were talking about in that? I kind of got lost now, just talking about them. <laughs> but really, I think just what you what you've picked up and learned from and you learned. know those guys that you've been exposed yeah. to, and you know whether it's just things you're like, hey, I never I never thought about that, or never realized that I did that. Um, you know, I feel like good coaches can often pick out stuff like that that you didn't even necessarily know about yourself. At least with Kirk, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, and realizing that breaking ball and everything. Cause honestly, I, I probably at that point just would have been like, Hey man, let's just, let's keep riding it. Maybe it was just that day. Um, but obviously he knew something that I didn't. <laughs> um, and they said, Jags, I, I really enjoy working with Jags. That guy, he works his tail off um, to, to make us better. So um, with him, it's, it's really just like I said, that cutter, is really all his, his doing. He said, he came to me one day and was like, Hey, like, I think we should add this. Um, and it was like, all right, let's, let's run with it. Let's, I mean, why not give it a shot? And it's something that's really benefited me. Um, and show, he showed me, came to me and was like, Hey, like, I think if we hit these numbers, uh, this is where it'll play a lot. We don't have to throw it a lot, but it's gotta be something that, I mean, obviously as it works into it, we start, we can start to throw it a lot, but this is where we'd like to see it and how we think it can help. And, he couldn't have been more spot on. I think it was, like I said, it was a reason to why I had success last year was partly because of that. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, like I said, I think, uh, you know, Cincinnati's coaching and, and their development and kind of what they've had going on there for the last couple of years um, has been something fun to follow, especially the development of not only yourself, but I think, you know, a lot of your teammates and, and your system mates there and that's sort of the next thing I wanted to ask. You have a lot of talented pitchers, or you know, around you. Obviously, Hunter Green, you know, big name. There's other names in that system, you know, Braxton Ashcroft. Others that have that were drafted this year and the previous year. You know, they were loaded up on a lot of good UDFAs. How competitive is it in camp right now? I mean, I can only imagine 
you know, the, the type of stuff you could see on a given day at Reds minor league camp, just watching the pitching. Um, yeah, I mean, we got it. We got I mean, is there is there anybody that you're really competitive with? I know from college it's probably Brandon Williamson, but now yeah. with Cincinnati, there's got to be somebody that like, you're you're competing. Uh, you know, honestly, I would, it's some. It's it, I'd say it's like not when you say like competitive. It doesn't, I don't even necessarily think of it. Like obviously we're competing against each other, but well, sure, it's like uh it's more of just trying to pick up little things, especially you say like Graham um, Ashcraft, it's, he's really unique. in like the way he throws, yeah. like the way his fastball comes off, it's like a cutter. Um, so it's like, I play catch with him every day. So it almost, I mean, he probably doesn't even know it, that, that I try to like pick up things, like see how his ball moves. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. like how does that help me with my cutter? Um, and seeing little things like that, little visual uh, ticks, but uh, like I said, Hunter, I mean, Hunter's generational talent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you watch Hunter pitch and you're just like, wow, like that's it's pretty unreal, honestly. Um, obviously, he's not there right now. Uh, he can't be. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you walk around the complex and you can see, especially from the work that you can tell like Jags put in um, and all that uh, got guys excited during like COVID year when they're at home um things to work on and everything and it's funny it's just it's cool to see it now like all start to show up and guys uh come with it so yeah no absolutely um so i need to ask this question i was i was fed it beforehand i don't know anything about it so i'm gonna throw it over to you explain to me what the lego man curveball concept is from david (laughs) uh lego man is really just like your wrist on on like the curveball keeping like a stiff wrist through it that's funny you say more of williamson that applies more to Williamson than uh, <laughs> than me in a way, but uh, it's kind of it's like our thing that we had a little inside joke uh, with David running that uh, we were at the park one day during COVID, and he was like, "Yeah, it's like Lego Man curve," and that's I guess what David would call it. And we were throwing breaking balls and like just like the stiff wrist, and all of a sudden we started doing it and like just throwing off hammers. <laughs> and ever since then he's just kind of all the time he's like yeah man just think lego man and he, he thinks it's like instantly just gonna be like a better breaking ball and, and he's not wrong like the uh whole thing about like the wrists and all that it 100 percent is true so it's just funny I, I think i think this i think this needs to be i think this needs to be your, your curveball's nickname when you get in the big leagues and you start you start working batters, man. You know, they got hit up by the Lego man. Um yeah. especially if you ever talk to Brandon Williams, and that's exactly he'll he'll be able to definitely describe the Lego man. I, I plan to in a couple of weeks. It's funny enough, like I didn't, you know, I knew you guys were obviously, you know, teammates. I didn't realize how close you guys were. Um, but I had both of you guys inside of um my best pitches in the top one hundred article that I put out right after BA released the top one hundred last month. Uh, I had you in the curveball, and I had Williamson over on the fastball side of things. So yeah. uh, both of you guys got some love there with some of the stuff that you were throwing. Um, I guess sort of the next question I wanted to ask, and we can wrap this up in a minute, but are there any hitters that you faced, whether this season or, you know, during your time, uh, though it was short in 2019 in pro ball, um, that it's just been an absolute battle, like a battle or two that maybe sticks with you? Um, those are always fun stories for me to, to hear from a pitcher's perspective. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think, who did I, who did I play a lot this year? Brendan Davis uh, with, um, Chicago, uh, definitely had some good at bats. Um, and a guy you can definitely tell, like he's got a serious approach at the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that. Um, I'm trying to think who else, 
Who else did I play? You're making me think. <laughs> did you get anybody in camp or like alternate site, anything like that? Where oh, you know, alternate you know, site major I leaguers think, and yeah. like you know, like India. Ah, oh, we're cutting each other off. As they had like a, a welcome to like you know the big leagues, a welcome to pro ball moment. I know I talked to Pepio a couple of years ago, and he was like, "I got tanked on by Mookie Betts," and I was just like, "All right, all right, <laughs> yeah, no, like the alternate site last year, uh, not last year, I guess it'd be the year before, yeah, um, two years ago. Yeah, guys like Aquino, Aquino had my number, and I started getting them towards the end, but <laughs> yeah, he." He hammered a couple baseballs off me, um, but just yeah, like guys like that, like especially in camp. I, I think I faced India probably that time like thirty five times that year. Oof. <laughs> um, that probably kept your pitch counts high. Yeah, he battles. Oh man, he he seriously battles. India has been one of my uh, one of my uh, one of my favorites for a long time. Yeah. When like everyone was like crushing him prior to him coming up, I was like, this guy's an easy top one hundred prospect. He's like a he's a crazy competitor. I knew yeah. some, some guys that had played with him and then someone that actually coached him in travel ball. And I can remember one story he told me where it was like, it, we could be up 14 nothing in like a whatever game that like didn't matter with Groney in the championship and screw play. He's like, I'd have to bench him. He's like, because he'd like lay out in a 14 nothing game against like, you know, a team we're going to, we're going to beat that didn't mean anything. Yeah. It'd be like, and <laughs> things like, that's funny you say it because it's true. Uh, I like, if anyone's like, competitiveness like and stood out like just never giving away and not bad at that alternate site mm. i mean i mean that year was probably pretty easy for some guys too just to be like all right another day out here <laughs> the alt site like that guy never gave up in that bat now you think about it because you could when he stepped in the box and you still can't like, you can tell that like, guy he's not he's not giving you a pitch so yeah yeah he's he's there to battle absolutely yeah. well let's wrap it up here last question i want to ask you What's in store for 2022? Um, it's kind of the way we started the interview, but you know, what are the goals that you're looking to reach? Is it make the big leagues? Is there a certain number of starts? Is there a certain number of innings? So how are you going to measure yourself and your success? Yeah. In the, in the uh, when, when I think about that, it's really, I just got uh, two come to mind. Um, number one is pitch a whole season, be, be healthy the whole year, um, complete that, that uh, as first goal. And the second goal is to make to the big leagues and, uh, and stay um, really. And hopefully it's um, continue to pitch in the, in the big leagues this year. And as we continue and hopefully make a playoff push, um, that'd be the goal. Um, I'd say number two, honestly, is get there, but get there and stay and, and let's make a push. So that's a, that's what I got. Well, we'll absolutely be pulling for you. We're big fans here at Baseball America. I appreciate uh, you, Nick Lodolo, for coming on to the show, giving us some of your time, digging a little bit deep about what you're working on, what your goals are, how you got to where you are, and uh, you know how you've embraced you know technology and everything else. Ladies and gentlemen, the number 36 overall prospect on the Baseball America Top 100, Nick Lodolo, thanks for joining us. Thank you.